0: All right, and welcome to another episode of the Stringing Lawn Podcast. Once again, my name is Pierce, and once again, I've got Caroline with me. How's it going, Darns? Hi, what's
1: up? That was a fun hey. fun week.
0: Fun week. Yeah, we've yeah, got
1: uh, a, plenty
0: to talk game. about, I would say, with she the yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Old Dominion uh, game. And I, we'll recap out uh, before we get into a, a fun interview that we've got uh, with Mike Golick Jr. of ESPN to talk about this week's fun game. Uh, against Notre Dame. So we'll get to that in a few minutes, but I know there's plenty to discuss. Uh, ha- having dispatched the Monarchs in, in stressful fashion, the Hoos are undefeated, but uh, in a game where they were favored by, I don't know, a billion points, <laughs> they kept it uh, pretty close, uh, at least towards the end. So walking away from that game, darns, uh, how are you? How was how your blood pressure? How are you feeling? <laughs>
1: full disclosure i was at a wedding um so thank goodness these were people that i yeah i mean there's always takes on fall weddings i get it you're scheduling things and yeah you have your terrible friends. like what you want to do there's a good navy friend of mine um so i like to pretend like oh yeah if it was like fsu weekend i totally still would have gone so I luckily like i don't have to deal with that but um no, it was a great wedding. Luckily, open bar with the game, the way it went. Uh, and the best part is those are all people that I know really well. So if I hadn't been streaming any sort of game, they probably would have wondered what was wrong with me. Uh, so I was able to stream the game during dinner, but obviously uh, not watch it with the exact attention that normally you would get. Gotcha. The, uh, you know, it's stressful. It's not great. A win's a win. Wins are hard. Uh, so it's hard to get to like – angry or upset there were definitely some things that i did not like mm-hmm. um namely getting down 17 nothing and just looking like a completely different team than we saw the first three weeks of the season on both sides of the ball the defense had a great game overall mm-hmm. the first touchdown i think it was the first touchdown we're, we're talking like missed tackles like badly missed tackles like dumb mistakes that in one sense i'm fine with because we know that they don't continue like that's not their normal so mm-hmm. you know am I always the best every day? Well, yes, of course. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, like not everyone has their best day all the time. And then you look at on the other side of the ball, losing your starting center has a huge impact on what you're trying to do offensively no matter what. Like that's that's tough. I don't want to make full excuses for everything that we saw because of not having the center. But that is something take into account, do with it what you will, that sort of thing. And then the last thing that's also true that I like to put in as – they had a full they had an extra week they they came off a bye week so between virginia tech and virginia odu had a bye week to fully prepare and it looked like they came out hotter than maybe virginia expected or just had really great scheming and pulled off a few things and then once virginia was like oh shit that's right we're virginia and we know what we're doing um which in itself is a weird sentence to say because yeah
0: that hasn't um, been true very yeah <laughs> <from Harvard. laughs>
1: um but yeah like once they got their shit together um and showed in the second half that they are in fact the better team i was actually impressed with odu i think both their performance against virginia and against virginia tech um they're not to be taken lightly it's the kind of team especially in state where they come out and want to like punch you right in the mouth and they did but virginia rebounded there were some really ugly parts but again there were some parts i thought were really good
0: yeah, I thought Old Dominion's defense um, was remarkable. Um, I thought they did really well across the board. Maybe yeah. not in fourth down coaching decisions late <laughs> in the game, which, just a, a huge gamble uh, on their part. But uh, I get it. You're a, if you're this huge underdog, you you might as well. Uh, through, I, I don't know. It's sort of like a, a, a Hail Mary play call to, to try and get a yard, but the, the, the I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I'll, I'll finish <laughs> talking about that, the idiocy of that fourth down um, for the ODU coach. We, it's fourth and one. You might be able to get it right. But if you do get it, like the game hasn't changed that much. Like yeah. you're still on your side of the field against a defense that's been kicking your ass all half. Yeah. I, it just seemed like there wasn't enough uh reward uh for for the risk uh, but anyway yeah I
1: mean, it felt a lot like that was it last year the pick game didn't our doozy go for one deep in virginia's territory like or in their own territory familiar. yeah and it was one of those huge moments of the game and the same type thing where i was like why would you go for that but they at that time so you know yeah, yeah well. it's
0: Either way, I think they, they. you're right that they schemed well for Virginia, and you saw yeah. a lot of that with the hot start. Um, ODU is not, like, a great team, so obviously this isn't, like – the, the, the type of uh, team that should come in and be able to punch you in the mouth for yeah, 17 yeah. points. But it's what happened, and the defense, at least, for UVA, responded uh, as we would expect them to. Uh, and the offense, towards the end, uh, was able to get together. And I think those are the, – the, the difference there is really, I think, the the most concerning takeaway is why did it take it so long for the offense to look like uh, the offense that we've seen yeah. against some other teams and and i think there's so many factors that they play into that and some of that are things that that we don't just don't know we really but- don't know what bryce's health Uh, percentages and more importantly I think we don't know what some of the hesitation we see in some of whether it be the the scheming or or his own uh behavior when it you know you see that he's got open space ahead of him and he doesn't run it's been sort of piling up for me that yeah there's a lot of things making me think he's being told um, not to run as much or not to take as many hits, which would be smart coaching, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the 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 whole offense, essentially, you know, uh, not that I think we're doomed to go winless without him if he were to go down, but the team totally changes if he gets right. hurt uh, any Absolutely. further. So I don't know what, you know, what percentage of, of all these different factors led to it, but there's definitely some, uh concerning things that i think could be addressed regardless of what the answers to those big questions are in the scheming for the offense and so that was yeah. my hugest takeaway from it is as we see um uh Kurt benkert friend of the podcast <laughs> you know going <laughs> about how much better this team is when they put joe Reed in space when they put yeah. bryce in space when they don't clutter the line and the trench in front of Bryce with multiple running backs, multiple tight ends, you know, it, yeah. it always looks better for Virginia and it always seems to work better. I don't have the stats, you know, cool. uh, in what type of formation do we get to do the best, but it, it clearly seems to be beneficial to run a more spread out offense for everybody involved on, on the UVA side. And yet we don't see a lot of it or yet we don't see as much of it as we would want, particularly when things aren't already working. It's like, there's this stubborn I mean, focus to keep yeah, the pro style
1: feeling like and i saw so the thing i put that we posted today about not wanting to get off to a slow start at notre dame because it's just kind of every fbs team they've trailed at the half obviously again for zero. i like to see adjustments like being down one point to pit being down four to fsu that's not the end of the world to me yeah i'm more curious about like I get this vibe in the first quarter. And this is just spitballing. I do not have <laughs> any – like, no one be like, oh, I <laughs> should I have no insider info.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sometimes it feels like we're just kind of feeling it out, like, in the first quarter. When, like, just kind of the offense is like, oh, what do you do if we do this? All right, what's your take if we do this? Like, just looking at the numbers, the efficiency of the offense. And some of the numbers in the first halves aren't bad. There's just a couple, like, you know – two or three and there's not even that many three yeah there's not as many three and outs as i thought there would be when i went back and looked at some of the stats for these games three or Um, four though you know yeah and not so there'll be like two or three in the first half and then like one in the second half the one that's still nuts to me is the fsu second half where the first possession was a punt and then there were only four total possessions for virginia in the second half and the last three resulted in touchdowns like only having the ball four times in the second half is nuts in itself. Like, but it's, it's very Virginia basketball. It's, (laughs) it's efficient. It's they know what they're doing. It's high possession time, low number of possessions and the the efficiency of what we're seeing in the second half from the offense where you're getting against old dominion, they got 16 and a half yards per catch. Like, so, and they were getting 11 per attempt. So they're getting, every time they attempted to throw the ball, they're getting 11 yards. Like that's, Good. Like yeah. that's, and that's the same as it was the, really the only lowest one was pit. And a lot of times when the, the lower ones are set up by the defense doing things. So like, yeah. you know, and, and part of it, you know, the rushing yards against the rushing yards
0: were abysmal, were
1: abysmal. Like yeah. you're looking at 2.3, 2.4 right. yards per attempt at first and second half respectively. So basically the same on the season the second half attempts you're getting about 3.8 yards an attempt against the FBS teams mm-hmm. that's not terrible I don't love it but yeah y- you you know you're getting closer to the area where like that's an average obviously you can get a first down getting four yards of carry and you
0: if, know what I mean so like just look at like Tala Papa's, uh three you know only three yards Uh, per attempt on 11 carries that, that takes out uh, Bryce scampering around and not getting many yards, but also takes out when he scampers against a bunch of yards um, or scores a touchdown. Right. So I, you know, you want to see more from a a power five team, Against a, a pretty depleted ODU team in yeah. the trenches, and what w- they weren't really as successful until they sort of cleared out the trenches yes. and stopped trying to force that that issue. Um, I know Wayne had a touchdown up the middle on on the run that we've seen a thousand times out of the shotgun they do that like lead run yeah. up, the, up the middle and it's like okay well so please don't tell me that validates the 30 other yards, <laughs> you <laughs> know like
1: yeah good
0: <laughs> you want, Obviously we want us to be successful but it's like god mix it up a little uh, even if it's just a running play like mix it up
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah i wonder it's it's all very it's clear that this year and at least in the beginning of the season what they're focusing on has been the short to mid-range passing attack and yeah. it's been successful and I don't dislike that strategy like the not seven all the 15 yard like that was what got them moving against Florida State that was successful against Pitt like these are things that will continue to get you down the field um, so I'm not anticipating like this huge yeah like extra running game like you don't have the and I, I think Talapapa can get there I think Talapapa can be a or Hollins like these guys can be these type of Jordan Ellis running backs like down the line it's just like right now that guy's not there right there so like there's going to be fewer attempts but I'm with you like yeah I it's tough but Talapapa has been great around the goal line so it's this like the line is getting there to give you those two to three yards but where are we when we need to get those four to five like Jordan Ellis would give you.
0: And it probably it has or I'm sure it has just as much to do with the line itself than any any condemnation of any of the running backs for sure some of that is is still depth that isn't where I'm sure the coaching staff would want to be, and you can see that because some of it's been injured and and cycling around guys and so when your center goes out and you put them at guard and you know it, that's the result that we saw against o d u was a team that looked totally different on the offensive line than it did against FSU, a team of four or five star you know, talent, uh, particularly on defense. So it's, it's a thin margin uh, for error uh, with uh, the, the linemen and and with that uh, juggling of of different people playing different spots. It seems like they're still trying to figure out how they can have a plan B uh, if someone goes down or how they have
1: can. Have we seen a game where like, back-to-back games there's been the same line in the same spots no i mean they've been (laughs) i
0: I would imagine fsu is the most consistent of it but um you know i haven't like tracked snap counts or anything but clearly the first two games they were they were cycling uh guys around just to try to see it live what's working better Um, yeah and and that's yeah maybe It, it gets sorted out you know but
1: i think they'll continue to improve i'm not ready like again i think that the um Losing the center is just about as big to me as like for one game. you know what I mean, like I want to see what they do against It's tough. Like everyone talked all week, and I don't think that this was like a they overlooked or underestimated type thing, but sometimes stuff ha- you're coming off an emotional win against Florida State. You've got Notre Dame down the pipe. like if there was people were saying like, "Oh, if there's ever a trap game, if there's ever a trap game, And they fell into they got like a foot, like one foot fell into the trap and they were like ah shit the trap and like I appreciate that they righted the ship I don't appreciate that it was super stressful but it happens and like I said like I didn't like I don't know what I was more kind of annoyed with in the beginning was like defense what are you doing but then they made up for it and the offense did too I mean scoring 21 points in the second half you know 28 unanswered like that's that's what you should do if you're the number 21 team and you fall behind 17 nothing the older and and, it did what they had to
0: you're right the defense was not without fault even holding odu scoreless in the second half they weren't without fault i mean there's still plenty of missed tackles going on
1: yeah
0: um and and not totally devoid of penalties you know so like everybody
1: in the first quarter gets an f like everybody in the first quarter gets an f like and from there i'll you know look at go back and look but i think that that first quarter. And I think, and it's something, you know, a testament to the coaching staff. Like they got those guys on the sideline or in the locker room and like, what the hell are you doing? get, Get it together. And they yeah, I mean, it's
0: good. Good to show that resolve. It's obviously great to be four and zero. I mean, and to to be yeah, in the yeah. top twenty is is exciting. Um, but <laughs> I, I, you know, there's obvious reasons that we and fans and whoever else following it are going to go, whoa, okay, well, maybe yeah, sure. temper <laughs> some of for some of the Orange Bowl talk a little, um, because they can't play like that. Uh, you know, certainly not this week at Notre Dame, but more importantly for the ACC, uh, at, at Miami. Uh, you know, they can't yeah. play like that against Virginia Tech um, so you know, hopefully it's a good uh, lesson to take away. I will say one note, uh, got to give props uh, to Jamie Oaks at 24 at, uh, seven, who pointed this out in something I was reading from him that just absolutely like floored me with like, <laughs> Oh my God, he's so right. The plays for Tavares Kelly um, that they're calling up where Kelly uh, catches it facing away from the direction he wants to run with it, you know, like these little bubble yeah. screens and stuff like he is the fastest person in the state of Virginia. <laughs> like, We're legally required
1: to yeah, slow him down by facing of running
0: lives. forward. Like, what are yeah. you doing? And, yeah. and, you know, that's just an awesome uh, note and hopefully something that falls, uh, <laughs> you know, on, onto willing ears uh, in, in the coaching box because um, they could be using some of that athleticism, like they've been yeah. using for Joe Reed and some of those
1: more. Yeah. Play- and that's, Look, I, I get like there's been consternation about Coach and I and play calling and whatever else, but it, it would be unfair to also point out that there have been some actually really creative and good things on the offense that I've really liked. I've liked some of the things that they've done with Joe Reed and mm-hmm. and especially like Terrell Jana getting him involved. And I, I I do like some of that stuff, but um, yeah, it's just you can't. I don't know. I I mean, against Pitt, they actually got out to a fast start. Like they scored on their first two drives, like, and then the turnover and like whatever else. So,
0: yeah, I think Um, just it's like four games where we're collecting enough of an idea and evidence where you're seeing, all right, this type of stuff tends to work with this team, um, and this type of stuff isn't working. So I don't want to see it as much. Yeah, I don't want to see
1: that anymore.
0: (laughs) Well, um, Um, before we get to this uh, Notre Dame preview, let's hand out our our three stars and. Um, maybe I'll why don't you take the first one we'll figure oh, out oh this is gonna be the easiest one.
1: one ever all right <laughs> Carl Snowden holy crap dude <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand so 15 tackles three tackles for a loss two sacks Virginia now leads or tied with Florida in leading the country in sacks through through the this part of the season which is unbelievable like they have just That's made awesome. 20 sacks in four games so do the math five a game they're just destroying people and yep there's been some this defense finally has the players in it that they want that now they can get creative and that's what has been so fun to see that this defense as a whole like each segment of the defense all three levels are doing good things like you know you're seeing Faumui and those guys get off the line, hand back. Um, you know, Juwan Briggs has been pretty quiet, but again, first year. Like, you haven't heard the name a ton. He's, I think he's got eight tackles sure. on the season, which, you know, that's great. Um, but he's also setting the scene for these linebackers to get in there and create havoc. There's some people I've seen a little, a few complaints about, like, you know, that's just for show and it's not, you know, a good quarterback, well, whatever, whatever. But um, they're just messing with because they know, too, here are your options. like. We're coming at you. So, you either get it out quickly for short yardage, or if you get enough time, now you're throwing it towards Bryce Hall. Uh, so, good luck with that. I don't know. Just, I really like what they're doing defensively. I think it's a lot of fun. I Absolutely. think, obviously, um, Zane Deere got the pick six, which was pivotal. Yeah. But that was created by. Star. No, I'm not <laughs> taking it. <You> can, <laughs> you take it. But that came from a dude, Charles Snowden, just he was everywhere all night and he is smart when he is coming towards a quarterback. He rarely ever jumps, leaves his feet, which you never want to do just because of the fact like, then that's how they get you. That's how they can evade you easier. Right. So if you're a linebacker coming in, like, don't leave your feet or else they're going to just stay, you know, move around you and whatever. And I just thought he was so good. And I also just love Charles Snowden in general. (laughs) He's (laughs) six, seven. He's built like a house and is the nicest, smartest, sweetest kid. He's like a football version of Malcolm Brogdon. If you listen to him talk, like he's great. So he gets my star.
0: All right. <laughs> uh, and I already alluded to it, but, uh, you know, after uh, dogging on Zandier a little bit for his uh, <laughs> aggressive penalties, got to give him the play of the game, of course. Yeah. and That'll get a star for me. Uh, that pick six. Uh, absolutely let everyone involved in this Contest, know that virginia was going to win this game uh, yeah. and th- that it seemed like uh the, the tide had turned uh momentum wise and certainly energy wise you know gets the crowd back into it just an awesome play uh one that they uh, apparently were prepared for uh so good prep there knowing knowing that um you know what to expect uh from odu on that play but just awesome uh aggressive Uh, game-changing play, so he gets my star and you know what I think since we don't have a third uh, person (laughs) and a third star I'm going to take executive action and give my third star to Keon White specifically uh, from ODU because that dude was a huge reason UVA wasn't getting much (laughs) done offensively number six uh, defensive end a guy that you you look at and you go why isn't he playing on my team (laughs) because he was a force so major props to him um and just you know obviously i'm a a odu fan in general so root for him rest of the year and uh he he gets a star because that was a quite the show so uh yeah we'll, we'll close up there for the odu uh recap and let's jump into this interview Uh, with Mike Golick Jr.
1: All right, and now to the Notre Dame-Virginia preview portion. We've got a top 20 matchup going on ACC slash ACC adjacent. Um, And to do that, we brought on good friend Mike Golick Jr. You might know him from Golick and Wingo in the Morning, Uh, also ESPN Radio. So, Mike, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? Oh, hanging in there. Doing great, man. Undefeated. Yeah, 4-0. What is this? This is such a new thing for Virginia fans. (laughs) Where am I? Yeah, we're really – this is normally when we've already transitioned into, like, basketball preseason podcasts. (laughs) So, like, still having, like, legitimate conversations about football is a little um, strange to us. So, this is good.
2: Listen, it's it's a nice place to be in as someone who played at Notre Dame in the early – in the, like, mid-2000s. I had a lot of seasons when I was there that were over by like week three or four, when the player walked to the stadium, all of a sudden got a little uncomfortably sparse. So I too can empathize. This is a nice spot to be. All right.
1: Well, when you look at this game, um, one, would you have thought Virginia would have made it all the way up to 18 at this point? And what is your take on Virginia at this point of the season four? zero, oh, obviously with uh, a couple big, nice wins over Pittsburgh and Florida state?
2: Yeah, you know what? I actually think going into the preseason, this is about what people expected from Virginia, right? They were sort of that darling ACC pick in this year when outside of Clemson, I think everyone understood that the conference overall was going to be down-ish. I mean, NC State, you know, you graduate a quarterback uh, in Ryan Finley that was an NFL caliber guy. Florida State's been a shell of itself in the Willie Taggart era and it's kind of that fluctuation in the coastal of Miami's down like they appear to be this year, then it goes back to that round robin. So this is actually kind of where I imagined the Virginias to be. You know, the preview for Virginia from the national perspective was basically they have two really good guys named Bryce, one on offense and one on defense. (laughs) But I, I think people are seeing, especially defensively, that this is a really stout unit. And quite frankly, it's a fun one to put on and watch go to work.
0: Absolutely, and if uh, anybody listening hasn't caught enough of of Notre Dame, are they so far living up to expectations? I mean, there's always lofty ones in in South Bend. How how has the early season looked for the Irish?
2: Uh, You know what, actually, I think if anything, it'd probably be a little bit below expectation at this point. I think you Mm -hmm. start off week one, they were on the road against Louisville. It was a Notre Dame team that was young and strange places is how I put it or young and important <laughs> places you know when you when you've got young you know you're young in the middle you lost your whole linebacking core to graduation of the NFL you lost your center and, and replace him with a young kid in Jarrett Patterson who's a redshirt freshman and, and you just kind of look on down the list and it manifests itself in strange spots you couple of that with some injuries especially at, at the running back position losing some key guys there and so I think between that, you know, you were expected to mop up on New Mexico. You had a well-timed buy in week two. And and the Georgia game, I think for the outside world, they, ex- they exceeded expectations. No one really expected that to be all that close. But mm-hmm. for the rest of us looking at a team in South Bend that Brian Kelly's turned into, you know, perennial contenders, you're disappointed by the lack of discipline, the penalties, the, mm-hmm. you know, the pre-snap penalties especially, that ultimately in a close game really ended up biting them in the foot.
1: So that first game, you mentioned the Louisville game, and there's a few things I want to ask you about that. But first, you did the watch party for the ACC Network. What was that experience like, and uh, would you do it again? What were the best snacks?
2: Uh, the best snacks were definitely the pizza. It's uncomfortable when you feel like you're the only one eating those. So like, <laughs> I, was doing that with, I was doing that with John Beeson, who you was know, a former linebacker and still in really good shape. His body's his temple, et cetera. Jack Collinsworth, who works with us. My fellow Fighting Irish alum, who – Looks like he could use several rounds in my cheeseburger chamber because he is really, really lacking in the ass department. He didn't and know what I bingo had, was.
1: He didn't know what bingo was. I have never felt older oh, at that moment. I mean, like. I-
2: I just didn't, like, you know, I don't like to be that guy. Like, I'm turning 30 this week, and I don't want to be that guy that's already looking back on the youth and just ridiculing them for things. But how the <laughs> hell do you not know what bingo is? Like, what <laughs> a stunted child. I got to talk to Chris. Like, I going to go straight the to the Sunday night slide himself. Yeah. And ask Chris, what the hell was going on in the Collinsworth house? Were you too busy chair sliding into the room to teach your kid bingo? But the worst, the worst betrayal was Eric Wood, former Louisville offensive lineman. He's going into the hall of fame there, I believe. Unbelievable guy, unbelievable player. But he's like all the rest of us, former offensive linemen, like go one way or another. And he chose skinny and he chose all these diets. (laughs) And so I'm in there slugging pizza living my best life yeah. and woods over there counting his macros and i don't have someone to rely on
1: <laughs> left all alone but other than that it was a great time <laughs> yeah i really i'm like i think i'm the target demo for the acc network i've thought this since they really. oh it. you are yeah like i consume like everything acc i just think it's i it's it's just very much my my thing so i'll throw it on in the morning and you know watch packer and durham and all that stuff but those i thought the watch parties was such an interesting way to do it because of the fact that especially with having a couple of – like, you know, having an alum there. Well, a couple of alums, both of you guys, you and Eric together. Um, but when you look back on that Louisville game, um, Puma Pass, which arguably best nickname name combo in the entire college football landscape, um, he was able to do some stuff to the Notre Dame defense, especially in the first half. And I think they has a similar threat board as Bryce Perkins with being mobile but still being able to complete some of those solid – seven to 20 yard passes how do you see Notre Dame's defense handling or trying to contain someone like Bryce Perkins
2: yeah I think you're gonna see a, hopefully an improved effort there and that was one thing a lot of people pointed out like you look at Notre Dame's first two games and Puma had a lot of those run elements when you had New Mexico you know when you're going against New Mexico that's a team that's running spread option principles. so the quarterbacks and play for the run game And so everyone freaked out when Notre Dame played Georgia, and I'm like, listen, Jake Fromm ain't a run threat. Like, I understand that offensive line is great, but when you can just tee off on the running back, you saw the effect. It's amazing how many more stops near the line of scrimmage you can have. So for Notre Dame, they're an undersized defense up front. You know, they've got a lot of lighter, faster, athletic ends like Khalid Kareem and Julian Aquara, the guys whose names people are starting to know and who are climbing up draft boards and all that. So I, I expect them to continue to kind of, cancel gaps on the backside, try and really, you're seeing a lot more college teams, I think, realize that when you've got quarterbacks, especially, you know, when you turn on Bryce on tape, they hold that mesh point, that handoff spot on the read option for a really long time to try yeah. and get you to bite. And you're seeing a lot more ends just run straight at both of them and try and make it as uncomfortable an exchange as possible. And, and so you wonder if Notre Dame starts to kind of adopt what's been the method of the rest of college football, because, if they don't, Bryce Perkins has proven more than capable of handling that kind of backfield action and, and giving you one other thing to think about, which is Notre Dame defense, like I said again, that's, that's pretty young in the middle, doesn't need.
0: Yeah. Is there something that you've seen maybe in, in Notre Dame's strengths or uh, Virginia's weaknesses so far that might be a key on, on that side that, that tips the scales for the home team?
2: Uh, I, I think for Notre Dame, it's going to be building off the last game, what you saw from Jeremiah owusu Cormoa. Their outside linebacker, he kind of plays that rover spot. He's a a, a younger kid. He's a junior who hasn't played much in the past. He's getting his first real action. And against Georgia, he was all over the field, sideline to sideline, really sure tackling. And I I think in these modern-day spread offenses that we're seeing in a lot of places, that position becomes one of the. I mean, hell, it's in the NFL, too. You're seeing those hybrid linebacker safeties. I I think he's one of those. I think he's really becoming that guy that, maybe they can start to count on in a linebacker group where we are looking for someone to step up and start to be the guy.
1: Neither one of these teams has really lit up the stats running-wise in the first few weeks of the season. Um, How do you – like, how much of an impact do you think running game – how important is it for Virginia to establish any sort of running game, or are they fine to kind of dink and dunk and try and make plays with Joe Reed, Hasise Dubois, Terrell Jana, those guys, as opposed to, like, trying to force – Wayne Talapapa to churn it up the middle
2: uh, I think it's really important to get that right we've seen Notre Dame's defense once they have to worry about that run threat especially at the safety spot like Notre Dame is unusually deep at safety this year Alohi Gilman number 11 their free safety and Jalen Elliott were already one of the more lauded uh defensive backfields in the middle in college football coming into this season just in terms of what they would put on tape but when you throw Kyle Hamilton in there the true freshman who's probably the biggest athletic freak on Notre Dame's defense. I think when you don't have the threat of a run in the middle and you allow those guys to really play rover and go sideline to sideline and and help out in that backfield, it makes them a different defense. And so I think once you focus more of the defense's energy up the middle, force them to take some more chances blitz-wise, because that's what they've got to do. When you're an undersized group, you're blitzing, you're stunning, you're kind of trying to throw things at the offense to put wrinkles in that run game I think that's really paramount against this defense yeah
0: and do you see uh Chase Claypool as maybe the biggest threat of the of the receivers and and maybe receivers and running backs Uh, like is he going to be the the focal point of the offense
2: yeah well I actually think after this last week it's going to be interesting Cole Komet who is the tight end who had been Mm -hmm. banged up through the first couple games of the season really had a monster game against Georgia and I think if nothing else having Colback out there to occupy space in the middle of the defense is going to free up a lot of stuff underneath. Like you mentioned Chase, like whether it's him or Chris Fink, Notre Dame really likes to take them on these underneath routes okay. and give them a lot of space to go run after the catch. And so I think, especially with Ian Book, he's been better when the ball comes out on time, gets out yeah. of his hands quick and gives these guys a chance to you know give them accurate throws and space. And I think to do that, you've got to have someone that's the threat that people are focused on, and I think Cole's going to buy up a lot of the eyes in that defense.
1: Do you think it would be beneficial for Virginia to, to almost just I – don't, I don't know if spy is the right word, but just put Bryce Hall wherever he is and just have him stay? Uh, yeah, listen, it, it couldn't
2: hurt to put extra attention on him. Like, having a guy like Bryce is a decided advantage. Now, when you turn on – like you know, going back and watching Pitt, because I, I thought Pitt did a lot of similar things at Notre Dame, does mm-hmm. on offense saw a lot of zone it, it wouldn't hurt to I think use Bryce in that way on defense to kind of move him around and see if you can just shut somebody down but that's going to I think put pressure from there to Tony Jones Jr. in the running backfield because the other thing we've seen is you can get loose out of the backfield in the passing game and that's something that Notre Dame has used their backs well now Jafar Armstrong who's their best receiving option out of the backfield was out out against Georgia and, and really affected their ability to use that but Number six, Tony Jones Jr. is still a guy that can definitely, I think, be effective there. And so I think once you take away the tight end as the first option, certainly Chase is going to get a a lion's share of the attention. But I think the backs out of the backfield then become an option that Notre Dame really tries to exploit.
0: Nice, and tying into that, I think we've seen UVA later in games multiple times this year. Just decide, all right, uh, screw it, uh, we're gonna blitz them every play, uh, and, yeah. and it's, it's like creative. With you it. know, yeah. is that oh. something you think would be successful against Ian Book, or maybe is he the type that that does well against that? What what has he shown?
2: Yeah. You know
0: what, like last year, I would say blitz him and good luck. But this year, it's it's been a bit of a different
2: Ian Book. Now, Mm. we saw him take steps forward against Georgia. There was a lot more of the guy I saw in 2018. But you got to be who you are at some point in this defense. It's fun. Like, I see a lot of things structurally that Notre Dame does. Like, the way especially if you get them into third and anything that feels even remotely long, (laughs) they're going to go on some fun personnel package with a bunch of different linebacker bodies. And they're going to twist and they're going to throw stuff at you and they're going to drop guys and bring pressure off the edge. And it, it, it just is a grab bag on defense that you, know, you can't help but enjoy watching. Like, I would always prefer my defense try and heat somebody up a little bit. And especially then when you have the benefit of a Bryce Hall in the defensive backfield that all of a sudden you get to use in coverage, I think that only helps you out. So I'm absolutely taking chances with them. I mean, you've got to try you – know, you're in a game where Virginia, as good as they are, Notre Dame should win this game. Notre Dame should win this game yeah. going away, and so you've got to take some chances, and I think that defense is built to do it.
1: And there was another, just kind of the, I think where Virginia has a chance in this game, there's a couple of things. I look at this as really win-win in the sense like they can go out, Virginia can go out and play loose because like you said, Notre Dame should win this game. Notre Dame is 20-0 and all time when ranked at, in South Bend against ACC teams. Like, that's a lot of games that they've one like that's a good that's a good stat if you're a Notre Dame fan. record yeah yeah you know like, you can't hate that but you know you have a Virginia team that has expectations that I would hear someone are you know like West Durham said this morning that you know he would even say potentially has a better or stronger defense than Georgia like the defense is very good the offense is where you're gonna have questions sounds a lot like basketball I feel like all this season I've just been saying <laughs> and I feel like I have this the season wrong I'm like well low possession they keep the ball for a long time it's great um but Notre Dame had 85 yards of penalties last week against Georgia like is that something that you see as a recurring issue or is that just that game is also in Virginia likes to make other people beat themselves like Virginia's not really going to do it um so whether it's forcing turnovers or the penalty thing like how do you see those kind of extracurriculars playing into this one
2: yeah, I think it would really have to probably lean on takeaways, especially, you know, fumbles trying to get the ball on the mat because at home I see the penalties being a lot less of an issue for Notre yeah. Dame. You might be able to create some holdings up front, but so much of what bit them against Georgia was pre-snap penalties, it was that environment down in Athens, mm-hmm. really mixing things up. You heard Brian Kelly in the press conference talk about some confusion with Ian Book and what the snap count towards the end of the game, going from that and silent cadence back to the clap so I'm hoping that by being home you can alleviate some of that but honestly like I I I say this as someone who was a part of teams that did a lot of this like the tendency at Notre Dame and the the tendency I've been a part of is coming off a big road game and you know a college game day atmosphere and all the things you had and coming back home for Notre Dame the tendency is to sort of exhale and it's not disrespecting what Virginia's accomplished this year but it's just the reality that it doesn't have the cachet that last week had for Notre Dame. And so this is one where I always worry because I was a part of plenty of teams that lost to opponents that, you know, we thought we on paper, we should beat going into a week where you maybe be, you maybe breathe the sigh of relief, you know, it's a day game back in South Bend, all these different things. And so yeah. if you're Virginia and you come out, light them up early and you get home a few times and you know, you get a short field and can make something happen on offense. It's amazing. I mean, i I watched Pitt do it last year at Notre Dame late in the season when you had a Notre Dame team that was undefeated on its way to a college football playoff that <laughs> almost gave up the goods against Pitt. So and I think could be a very similar game plan.
1: Yeah, and when you look at this too, I just kind of want your opinion coming from someone who played offensive line. How concerned should Virginia fans be that the – so they didn't have the center last week against ODU, and I think that the offensive line really struggled. How big of a piece is that just – speaking from experience, like when things change up that much on the offensive line going into a game and just basically tell us that we shouldn't be freaking out about the offensive line after last week's performance.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know what? It's one of those things that center is one of – as far as going out there and actually playing it physically, it's one of the easier positions on the line to play because you usually always have help and you're right in the middle and everyone's a little bit less athletic. But in a lot of offenses, if you're lucky, you've got a pretty smart guy playing the spot you've got someone that you can count on to help kind of orchestrate things in the middle and there's the comfort level and it's less so in shotgun, you know, under center, it's a lot more, but still the comfortability of the quarterback center exchange that you kind of don't take for granted. So I would say it's definitely not nothing, but when I look at where Notre Dame's advantage is, it's on the edges. It's it's the tackle you've got to worry about them trying to exploit that with the athleticism Notre Dame's got on the outside.
1: Okay, that makes me feel kind of better. Just like that, I don't know if they were all asleep in the first quarter, like both sides of the ball. I was at a wedding. I was like, y'all, I can't handle this and have an open bar and have like children around, so I need something – uh, i need something to fix itself
2: <laughs> the perfect storm it, I, who,
0: who
1: among us has not found
0: themselves in a similar toxic situation during the game i, I think something caroline and i both share is that anytime particularly things go south uh, for uva sports We're both the ones whose phones start blowing up. Like people go, "Oh, UVA's screwing something up. Let's text Pierce or let's let's text Caroline." Caroline. Yeah, (laughs) just like eight texts in a row. We suck. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's hell on earth. Like it's
2: it's bad when you're so associated with the brand of your school that you become everyone's go-to. It's I you know what it's I would almost prefer the punching bag when people come to me and want to talk shit versus when you get to the point where people are just like, sorry. Like, it (laughs) goes so poorly that people feel bad for you. Like, I don't want your pity we're out yeah. here playing football i don't yeah. need your pity right now but i got a lot of that last year on the college football playoff and it made me sad
1: yeah uh, we i definitely got a bunch of uh so the umbc game for basketball um you know who your friends are when those type things happen uh, uh i had people oh, that i hadn't talked to in like a year and a half yeah. just oh, randomly yeah. start following me on twitter and i was like oh you're you're here for a meltdown you're not gonna get it bud i know what i'm doing um not yeah,
2: today I, Satan. not
0: today
1: yeah. <laughs> You log off? Close my computer.
0: <laughs> All right, Mike, before we get into maybe some more uh, ACC talk and, and some other things we want to bring up, we, we'll close maybe the uh, game preview part by getting some actual predictions out of you uh, and, and the two of us. What, what do you think we're going to see result-wise on uh, Saturday? Uh, I, I could see Notre
2: Dame winning this one like 31-13, something like that, a game that stays uncomfortably close for Notre Dame fans <laughs> in the first half. And then I, I think ultimately in the second half, you're going to see a team. You know, I, I heard they had a team meeting when you got to back to South End, which is always kind of like the, the refocus deal and stuff like that, the players-only you know, the players only meeting kind of thing. So I, I think 31-13 would, would be something there. Definitely a defensive struggle considering the way both of these units operate on that side of the ball.
0: Good stuff, Caroline. What are you feeling?
1: Um, I got to let everybody down. I did on the prediction preview podcast, whatever you want to call it, season preview, mm-hmm. um, I did call this a, a win for Notre Dame. I do think it will be a little bit closer. I think 28-24 uh, is what I went with. And uh, the Q&A I did with our sister site one foot down. So I'm going to stick with that. Um, I think Virginia is going to be in it until late. And then it's just going to be a little too much. I think Notre Dame is a more talented team. I don't think this is as – Thirty-one, I'd be pretty bummed out. I do think this is just an opportunity that's win-win, like come out, try and hit them in the mouth, take advantage of a huge opportunity. If Virginia loses this game, they're 4-1. It's not the end of the world. They don't need this for like bowl eligibility or any of the things that they've needed it over the past few years to get wins. So I think just go out and go out and try real hard. Have fun, guys.
0: Staying healthy, I think, is... <laughs> yeah. <I know>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> go out and everyone have a good time. Have some orange slices at the end of the game.
0: <laughs> the spread is twelve and a half, which, I don't, you know, it seems uh, I, that's just a lot of points. Uh, you know, I know it's it's UVA's, you know, it's it's a new hostile, totally different than than a lot of the games that you're used to playing on the road type of environment. Uh, I, I like the Irish to win maybe 31-21. I don't know. Does does twelve and a half seem too high to you, Mike? I know you just said they were going to win by more than that, but it, if, it, as far as setting spreads, it seems like a lot of points.
2: Yeah, that's definitely the uh, the good loss effect right there. Notre yeah. Dame's usually good for one of those every couple of years where we'll lose a close one to Clemson and Florida State, and somehow people will actually think more of us. I still haven't quite <laughs> figured that out, but I definitely think you see that effect in Vegas. So, yeah, it's a it's a pretty strong line, but Notre Dame, like you said, at home versus the ACC also has a pretty good history. So,
0: stuff. And I am curious, were the Who's able to pull it out? Is this going to be some uproarious like uh, gnashing of teeth from the Irish faithful, or, or, or you know, will yeah, they? What's the, what like, would what would the be the reaction uh, from the fans?
2: Oh yeah, I think it would definitely be because at this point, coming off the game against Georgia, people are still expecting Notre Dame to be involved in the playoff conversation mm-hmm. at the end yeah. of the year. Now they don't control their own destiny, but once you go out and only lose by seven in a lot of people's minds on the road, there the expectations go back to, well, all right, Michigan's down, USC, all the games you had originally circled mm-hmm. and Virginia's the one we have to keep reminding anyone, like, no, don't sleep on this one, please, God knows. So <laughs> it would absolutely be uh it would it would be hitting the alarm in South End for sure. All My right. question
1: would be what the reaction is when it comes to like this is an opportunity for all, and Virginia as I, it's, I hesitate to say, like, return to national prominence, but Virginia has been ranked number one before.
0: Because, <laughs> yeah, so I, for about a but, week in 1990. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they were nationally prominent. But, I mean, bringing Virginia back to not a joke, uh, sure. would the narrative be that this is, hey, this is a legit Virginia team, or would you think there'd be some carryover of, like, oh, well, they beat Notre Dame on a down year, or Notre Dame, you know, just lost. It's their second, you know, how would, how would that, show, like, shake out?
2: I think there'd be a bit of both, but I certainly think what we see and I, I, I don't say this disparagingly at all, but Notre Dame ends up being a good win, even when, you know, on the other side, people would probably, if Notre Dame wins, they're going to, you know, probably downplay Virginia or something like that. But if Virginia wins, it should absolutely be viewed yeah. as a win over a team that was in the college football playoff last year and all these things. Like, I, I think You know, it's not like a program defining one, but it's a nice building block for Bronco Mendenhall and company there, like you said, as they try and keep building this thing to something that they power in the ACC.
1: That's so scary. We'll see. (laughs) 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 Speaking of the rest
0: of (laughs) of the ACC, who do you think is maybe if, if Virginia is the second best and maybe that's too much of an assumption, uh, but records would back that up right now. Probably who do you see as the third best team uh, in the conference? Oh God, do I have to? Yeah, Um, (laughs) I know it's a hard question. We bring the heat on this podcast.
2: Yeah. It's God. I mean, at this point I would have said, you know, prior to, Prior to the game against Kansas, you would have thought it would have been someone like Boston College, maybe mm. NC State's just too young at this point. Syracuse got their freaking doors blown off by Maryland, so I'm confused by them. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe say like North Carolina. My, I don't know. No, yeah. I mean, look, Wake Forest is four zero. Like, yeah. I, I don't think that's a team that. Longevity-wise through this season, especially on that side, I expect for that to maybe hold up. But right now they're 4-0 and and they're playing good ball. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's really a grab bag at this point. It's, I would probably say them or maybe just believing that eventually the talent on that Miami defense is enough to lift them from the obscurity they've started with.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say Miami seems to be a, a, still a huge question mark, and I'm curious to see them host uh, Virginia Tech on the fifth because uh, they probably should have won that game in Chapel Hill. And if they if, if that's a W sitting there, you're going okay, close loss to Florida, uh, you know, beaten beaten the Carolina. We really don't know what to expect um, from from <laughs> well, Miami. And,
1: well, yeah, I mean, you can say you don't know what to expect from like. X number of teams. I think the Duke yeah, Virgi- Virginia Tech game on Friday night is actually one that I'm like shows my social life. Where I'm like, oh hell yeah, Friday night ACC football, <laughs> like can't wait. Um, but that's another team that you know. Who knows what to make of Virginia Tech at this point? Like I don't know what you do. And the Coastal is like you said, it's a complete shit show. Like I don't. I mean, <laughs> Seventh time in seven years that a different team has won the Coastal. If Virginia wins it this year.
2: Yeah, I guess that's the thing is you sort of looked at the ACC right now as Clemson's going to come out of the Atlantic every year until further notice, and then that round robin continues. So it looks like Virginia's year, you know, early on you can say that Max Dot North Carolina at least pointed in a good direction, a couple of nice program builders in the beginning of that. But uh, ultimately, Pitt's interesting to me too. I mean, just going back and watching their game against Virginia, like, They do some good things. I don't think it's an overly talented football team necessarily, but they're always sort of feisty there. I mean, that's kind of what Pat built with that program.
1: Yeah. Um, So I guess we'll change gears a little bit. Quick question for you. You called a Notre Dame lacrosse game last year. Um, How did that come about, and what was the experience like, and are you trying to get back on that lax beat this year?
2: Uh, Yes, absolutely. So uh, I played lacrosse growing up. I, I grew up in Connecticut. I was an East Coast kid. And played lacrosse in middle school and high school because I sucked at baseball and I was (laughs) heavy and wanted to hit people with a stick. And then I kind of fell in love with the, you know, all the good parts of the sport, the creativity. It was, it was a lot like football in a lot of ways. And then when I got to Notre Dame, there's no athlete dorms there or anything. So you're paired randomly with a roommate on campus. And my roommate just happened to be one of the attack men on the lacrosse team who, you know, is still one of my close friends. And so I spent a lot of time with those guys and, and got to know the team really well and Coach Corrigan and the rest of the group there. And when I got to ESPN, that sort of, as I got into calling college football games and getting more involved in that, seemed like something that I really wanted to, you know, just try and see if I could get involved with somehow. I knew I wasn't going to, you know, be Paul Carcaterra and be the full-blown color analyst, but that I could have something to offer. And as you know, we, we hear all the time in the lacrosse world, grow the game. I figure it'd be a good chance on ESPN to, to kind of cross promote this and continue to bring people to a sport that I think is really cool. So I, I liked it. I, you know, I, I had a blast with, and I'm hoping I get to do some more games this year, especially, you know, Notre Dame is in the ACC for lacrosse. And so yeah. having the ACC net in those slate of games, I'm hoping it'll create some more opportunities for that.
1: Awesome. We are, I really at- enjoyed it. I thought it was fun, especially because you had that weird game that got moved indoors too. So. <laughs> oh, I
2: mean, it's, it, <laughs> I, ha- I can't f- – well, I can't fathom because, you know, we get to talk to the coaches and it- how ticked off people are when they have to go inside the loft. The ball is just – it's so <laughs> hard to see in there. It's one of the most unbelievable home field advantages anywhere in the country for a lacrosse game. But that's what happens when you play in South Bend in late February early March. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, that place I remember – a vast winner away from
1: A couple years ago, that happened at a Notre Dame-Virginia game. I remember it was originally outdoors and they had to move it in there. Um, I think I think it's all a big plan at Kevin Corrigan's. <laughs> control hey, play can't knock the hustle <laughs> <laughs> exactly if you're not you're not trying yeah
0: speaking of uh, South Bend, uh, I know we've got a bunch of EVA fans making their first trek to it uh, for this weekend. So for anybody uh, listening out there who who's unfamiliar with the town, what are some recommendations what, what are some things people I, know I got a ton of friends who are saying you know they're making long weekends of it, so they need to make sure to hit up yeah you know i I tell people honestly like when you get to
2: campus play the hits it -hmm. it sounds corny to say go to the grotto and see the basilica but every time i go back to campus i go to those same places like Mm -hmm. i go and light candles at the grotto i go and walk around the lake especially this time of year it's some of the most unreal scenery out there and it's just a place that feels different you know I, i was fortunate to know guys that played on other teams that came up to south Bend, and when i would talk to them after the game they would always say, you know, you kind of had to get coached up to to not pay attention to all the ghosts around campus because it's a place with so much history. So, you know, go go see all that stuff. Go, go and check out the Dome. Go and check out Touchdown Jesus. See the stadium. See as much of that stuff as you can. Walk campus. It's a great walking campus. And then, if you want to go slug some beers, go to the linebacker. I'm pretty sure there's still <laughs> vomit in that bar from when my dad was in South End in the eighties. Like it is it is a place where time truly stands still and it's still <laughs> one of my favorite spots to right. it.
1: Tells me I need to make the road trip. Yeah, it's it's one that is high on the list, I think. Um, but we uh we like to close out a little rapid fire if you're game if you're ready just some Absolutely. fun questions like <laughs> helps the listeners get to know the guests all right so this will this is all over the map so just stick with me all right uh, white claw or truly white claw oh yeah what flavor black cherry is there Hell any yeah. another answer <laughs> thank you oh, a new favorite guest in uh, sync or Backstreet Boys oh
2: Backstreet Boys all day. all right millennium as an album matters a lot to me
1: yeah it's a fire (laughs) album it's pretty good it's it holds up it holds up um i know you watch the franchise do you prefer season of the bachelor or season of the bachelorette
2: uh i prefer i prefer the bachelor like i just think i i just think that women are inherently like more entertaining like the guys (laughs) when it's the bachelorette are all just like trying to out posture each other by working out and doing yeah. like dumb stuff they're just they're dramatic in like ways that are off-putting to me whereas like the girls <laughs> it's actually fun and there's bigger personalities there's usually better villains when it comes to the girls season also too. true yes that's also true
1: um <laughs> the more intense notre dame coach brian kelly kevin corrigan or muffet mcgraw
2: Ooh, you know what i'd have to go muffet like when muffet's on the <laughs> sideline and she goes, the, she goes the crouch in the heels, which seems unbelievably painful to me, and it, then it stares is. a hole in everyone. I get nervous at home watching on my couch. But then she does stuff like last year in the tournament where she hits the dance and wins the hearts and minds of America. So she's yeah. truly the coach <laughs> on campus that can do both. <laughs> That's
1: true. Um, favorite interview you've done? Like someone that was really fun to talk to?
2: Favorite interview I've done? I mean, you know what? It, I would say the coolest I ever felt, and it's funny because, like, obviously this year when you hear the name as it relates to his professional life, it was super interesting, but Magic Johnson makes you feel so effortlessly cool being around him. (laughs) Like, I can see why the Lakers bent over backwards and gave this guy the key to the franchise only for him to leave it very unceremoniously (laughs) because – like when you are around him, and magic hits you with that smile and all the things that you're used to hearing about him, like he makes you feel very cool just because he acknowledges you, and that was kind of a strange thing because I don't really do that whole celebrity you know like yeah, I've been fortunate because of you know who my dad was and the show that he was on for a long time to to get around and meet a lot of people but he was one where you just legitimately walk away like, oh man, like Magic Bleeping Johnson just at me up. What the hell? (laughs)
0: That's
1: That's awesome. awesome. I like, that's a good answer. Uh, And last but not least, uh, if you could choose a Marvel character as your wingman, who would you choose?
2: Ooh, as, see, as my wingman is a good question because like, (laughs) I'm a big Hulk guy. I love all that stuff. You know, I'd probably go like the latest iteration of Spider-Man just because like, While he can bail you out of a lot of situations, and I think he's a little funnier than he gives you credit for – He's also, you know, a kid, and so he kind of stumbles through most situations. And so, comparatively, I would seem very confident and my sure of myself, and thus look much more appealing.
1: That's a pretty good yeah. answer. I was gonna say like Hawkeye would probably be my. I thought you might go Hawkeye, married, and not as like handsome as Captain America. Uh, but yeah, I, but he's uh, so
2: dark and like yeah, he's so like yeah. dark and broading. Like he just yep. be sitting at the end of the bar, getting way too drunk, yep. and you'd have yeah. to kind of explain like. That's just my friend. Like he didn't get out much. He yeah. shoot his people
0: family, his
1: arrow. family yeah. disappeared. Like, his scowl is—it's you know?
0: too off-putting. to scare card. people away. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: that, is, that is fair. I do love. I do love Tom Holland. So I love that answer every time. Mike, thank <laughs> you so much for coming on. We really, really appreciate you. Welcome back. anytime We'll probably see if you're around for some stuff during basketball or lacrosse season. But uh, we really, really appreciate you coming on and chatting with us.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you.